Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the 12 by 12 Picture Book Writing Challenge. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Registration is only open in January and February. Visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. That's 12x12challenge.com slash membership. Support also comes from Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month, they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order, or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started today. Raise good humans, one children's book at a time. I wish that when I was growing up, I grew up just outside of um, Philadelphia and the suburbs, um, and yeah, majority white schools, which was a little bit of a lonely experience. And boy, do I wish that there had been books like this when I was when I was growing up. They were very hard to find. Take a moment to consider Haiti and all you might know about the island. What comes to mind? Its vibrant colors? Its delicious foods? Perhaps your mind goes to the devastation of the 2010 earthquake, or that Haiti is the location of the most successful slave revolt ever, or that America would not be America had it not been for the Haitian Revolution. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 488. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Francie Latour, author of Auntie Luce's Talking Paintings a debut picture book about a child who leaves the cold U.S. winter to visit her aunt in Haiti, and who leaves knowing that the nation is a part of her. I learned so much from talking to Francie, and gained an even deeper appreciation for her picture book debut. 
It was a book my students listened to, pored over, and loved as we read nominees for our mock Coretta Scott King, but after recording this interview, I knew we barely scratched the surface. Please welcome my guest, Francie Latour, author of Auntie Luce's Talking Paintings. My name is Francie Latour. I use the pronouns she, her, hers. Um, I guess I'm a children's book writer because I wrote a children's book. Um, However, uh, I wear a bunch of different hats. I do a lot of um, diversity, inclusion, and equity work um, at the college level in higher education. I also do a lot of social justice work. Um, I founded, co-founded and co-run a social justice project called We the People here in Boston. It's a social justice project for kids ages 4 to 12. I like that you're giving yourself, I guess I'm a children's book author. (laughs) Um, You are, you can wear all the hats. You are totally a children's book author and a mighty great one at that. And I only know this one book. I don't know anything else you've written. I know that this one book I have, though, about this woman and this country and these talking paintings, I know that that book meant something not only to me, but to many, many students in Columbia, Maryland. And we're going to get into it. But you are totally an author that we all think are pretty is pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for the the affirmation. I appreciate that. <laughs> if you ever need affirmation, just call on <laughs> students. They will always be there for you. And I'm here too. I'll connect you with them anytime. If you need to pick me up, Francie, just let me know. We'll Skype. We'll get you to smile. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be in a college level. That intimidates me. That's why I'm working in elementary schools. <laughs> so, well, Francie, why don't we, why don't we talk about this book? Do you mind sharing uh, a, a book talk. Tell tell everyone a little bit about your debut and, and what it's about. Sure. So, um, yes, this is my first book and first children's book. Um, it's called Auntie Luce's Talking Paintings. And um, the book is basically about a Haitian-American girl um, living in the States who has a pretty special relationship with her aunt uh, who lives in Haiti. Her aunt is a painter and she is sort of a, um, I would describe her as sort of a convention defying (laughs) woman. Um, Very wise woman, um, very attuned to her niece and, um, through this special relationship and her aunt's paintings, the little girl um, whose name is Tishu um, sort of is able to explore um, the Haitian side of her identity, which she's kind of sort of pieced together from overhearing conversations in her parents' living room, but doesn't really feel connected to. And so um, it's a really special relationship for her. I think that the way that you've, the way that you've brought the reader along with Tishu 
into this different country, different culture, but but family always and learning always and anticipation always, I feel like is what every time I read this to children pulled us through the story. Um, well, that and quite frankly, Ken's art, which is just gorgeous. Oh, like, man. like it stopping you in your tracks. Gorgeous. The color, the everything, every, everything is, is beautiful in that. Did you know, yeah. have you met Ken yet? I have. So, um, very cool. Ken and I have, um, traveled to some, uh, book tour events together. Uh, we were in DC together, uh, recently. Well, I guess in in October, um, at the embassy, uh, for an event there. He's amazing. Um, did you know him before the book? No, I did not. Oh, um, magic of publishing, pairing up author and illustrator. That's cool. I had no idea who he was. And talk about self-effacing. I mean, he uh, he's just genius. I mean, his uh, creation of this world through colors and actually illustrating a book as a painter himself that's about painting um it's sort of on this whole meta level of illustration yeah i was waiting at the end for it to be on my first reading i I was waiting for for it to be and this is the book that auntie luce made for me that you're reading right now because that's that's how it looks it looks like the book itself is an extension of her art and it's I say that in the greatest way. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's just amazing. I'm so, so, so lucky. This whole book situation was so accidental. Literally stumbled into this whole thing and then stumbled into this um, partnership, this collaboration with Ken. See, I need to hear about that now. How do you stumble into a book? How did you... How did you you even feel that draw of of wanting to write down a story that potentially could be read to children. I don't know if when you first had this idea, you were thinking of young children, but certainly in the form now, it, it's 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 for my age kids. Yeah. So when I say I literally stumbled into it, um, what I mean is, uh, so this is going back to 2010. So uh, January of 2010 when um, an unbelievable, uh, devastating earthquake uh, rocked Haiti. Um, At that time, I was uh, freelancing for the Boston Globe newspaper where I had worked for uh, many years before going into higher ed. And um, the reverberations of this earthquake through kind of phone calls and emails and friends and relatives that we knew um, and were trying to get in touch with were very real. And so I wrote an essay that ran in the Globe. Um, It was kind of a very impressionistic sort of diary style, diary entry style essay. And a few weeks after the essay ran, I got a phone call from this guy named Ruben, um, who is a children's book 
agent. He represents writers and illustrators. And he asked to take me out to lunch, and he asked me if I had ever thought about writing a children's book. And I just was speechless. I mean, That is wild. The answer was like, well, no. But a, a, <laughs> I, an article in the I, Boston Globe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't write a children's book. I wrote <laughs> in the Globe for adults. <laughs> Is it Ruben? Is it is a is it Ruben Pfeffer? Yes, it is Ruben. Yeah, Pfeffer. yeah, great. And um, also just just an amazing, amazing guy, such a champion and supporter of of authors and illustrators um, and the magic of of children's books. So yeah, I just I was like, yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think I would be very good at that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, but like he kept emailing me and was like, you know, you really should try this. Just try it. And it was really hard because, I mean, it would be one thing if it had been this burning desire to do and I had this story I wanted to tell. But I really didn't. Um, and so, yeah, so. So I just started thinking about things from my own life, um, and the book kind of took off from there. Oh, um, see, I love that twist you just did on us. You said, I really didn't want to write a book, and then next sentence, so I started thinking about my childhood, and then the book <laughs> came from there. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> it's actually really hard, at least for me, trained as a journalist you know journalists are trained to write about what happened oh. in reality and so um when you've been trained that way and worked that way for so long i worked at the globe for like 12 years and i worked at a newspaper in virginia for like three years before that and so that's kind of my hard wiring and so to create something out of nothing was pretty intimidating and um, that's actually not what I did. <laughs> I, I used sort of pieces of um, my own experience traveling to Haiti, um, my own uh, experience meeting this amazing uh, Haitian painter who inspired the book um, and having her paint my portrait, which also happened. So there are pieces of things that happened in the book that happened to me. And I think that's really what allowed me to create something new. I, I love that it was events happening to you and finding a way to craft something in that way because because of the way you had to work against your instinct to write the way you've been trained to write. It was unnatural to write this way. I got to say, though, the way you write this book, the way you work in um, language, that uh, I'm, I'm grateful to Groundwood for including that glossary in the back. Um, mm. Because I, 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 try, I did my best practicing, uh, as I was reading it to the students, re reviewing and practicing the pronunciations of of. Um, some of the words uh, wanting as best as I could to get it right as I read but the way that the way that the book just brings in this language naturally just words, phrases slipped in and then slips back to English 
it's just all very it all just flows it all flows as a story being told um as if you know as if we're we're just recounting as if we're just recounting the story um which is what your main character is doing she's recounting this thing that happened to her i love that alongside of all that all right maybe i'll put it this way i'd like to think that when my students were hearing the story read because when i was first reading your book i felt like i read the words and then i took a moment to read the pictures mm. and so i'd love to think that as i was reading the words to them they got to just take in the pictures and hear those two things you know the visual reading as well as that auditory reading at the same time uh, and i know that as I'm saying that, that sounds dumb because that's like what you do when you read a picture book. But I mean that m more weighted, I think, than other picture books. There's, it, it was clear to me that Ken noticed, that he looked, that he researched, that he took in what it means to be Haitian, to live in Haiti, to be in this town, to be Tishu, to be... Auntie Luce, it, it, all of these things, it felt like, it felt like I was seeing photographs of a trip being brought mm. to life in painting. It felt like there was, there was truth there is maybe what I'm trying to, to express. There's truth in your words and truth in the art that doesn't set out to deceive the, the reader, but rather sets out to invite the reader in because as we get through that story, we get into the history of Haiti that the Auntie Luce shows and speaks of to Tishu. And that history, that is like where the tears start rolling in. Let me just tell you, because of the way I can't even articulate. I'm like, I'm like starting to cry right now. Sorry. Let me compose myself. But the way that you take, huh, the way, Francie, that you take a history of a nation and you affirm that history in a child, in a person, in the way that she sees herself in the painting that Auntie Luce does and says that color of her skin and of her hair in this painting, that that's my grandfather and that's this experience and that's those things. That is absolutely something that we have in our capacity to, to do to ourselves. We can see ourselves as a history, as something more, as being the bearers of our history and the responsibility of being the bearers of our history. Mm. And it's just a, that gift, I guess, I guess the way I'm trying to articulate this in this moment is that I have never read that in a book as eloquently and beautifully as you affirm it in Auntie Luce's talking paintings and you do it, it feels with ease and grace and it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I definitely hear you with the, um, there's a very lush sort of, immersive feeling to the illustrations um 
and that really matches as close as you can in two dimensions to what it feels like. Um, so when we would go to Haiti every year, um, you know, it, it was usually winter. And so everybody, you know, there's like coats and gloves and all kinds of things like that. But there's also just a sensibility of everybody's kind of like closed and huddled and everything kind of looks, I don't know, like gray and bleak. And then you land and it's just like, it's like your whole body being smacked with this sensory overload. You know, there's like all these smells and, you know, the mangoes like look more orange than mangoes that you see here. And, you know, everything tastes sweeter. And yeah, it's just, um, it's a it's a really powerful experience, and um, and Ken definitely captured that. Um, and I think a lot of it. So Ken is um, Canadian, but he his family is also from the Caribbean. His family is from the island of um, Dominica, and so he definitely had that sensibility going in. Um, but you're right; he did he did quite a lot of research. Um, and we had sort of a dialogue um, via email back and forth about certain specific things um, that felt Haitian or that you would find um, near the airport um, in the mountains or what have you. Um, so, yeah, that that is a really special part of the book for me. And I think for people, anybody who's experienced Haiti, whether you're a kid or whether you're you're an adult, um, because I think anybody who's been there has felt like what I just described. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from longtime supporter Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Ooh, but can I read something to you from your book? Because you also give Auntie Luce a line. Well, I'll, more than that, you give her a line that... that speaks so much more deeply to what your eyes take in in Haiti. Do you sure. mind if I read an excerpt? And I also, I just want to praise your words. So let me, we've been laying on praise for Ken. We got lots more of that to come, but I want to make sure I stop and share your words. This is when Tishu is being, is sitting uh, and, and being painted. Um, I'm going to skip around just a little bit for sake of time, but um, it says, uh, Auntie starts out, Do you know why I paint tissue? She asks after a long silence. I've never thought about that. Uh, Because you're good at it? She laughs deep in her throat, then mixes more reds and browns. Because Haiti is so beautiful? I ask. 
Not always, she says. Sometimes it's almost too hard to look at. I paint to remember what I've seen and heard and smelled and felt. The balconies wrapped around houses, which seem to go on forever. The fists pounding on neighborhood doors and sending people into hiding. To paint Haiti takes the darkest colors and the brightest ones and all the colors in between. In two days of sitting, Auntie Luz paints me from many different angles. On one easel, I can see myself turned completely to the side. In my face, I see colors I've never seen in a mirror. The caramel in my great-grandmother's skin and the deep berry in my grandfather's. I see the colors of metal roofs over houses with no upstairs or downstairs. I see the ash of earthquake dust. From that time, the ground shook and opened up. Auntie Luz says our faces are like maps. I can trace yours halfway around the world, from the kingdoms of Benin to the sugarcane fields that turned into battlefields, when we fought to the death for our freedom, she says, all the way to this room, in this light. I'm going to stop myself there, because <laughs> I would read you the entire book, but you've already <laughs> read it a couple times. <laughs> um, that, that... That, Francie, in the way you wrote this story, that that moment comes at the end, that there's all of this connection with Tishu and family and the island and the people, but it's at that moment, as we're nearing the time to go, that all of it connects, mm. really in such a way that then Tishu is ready to bring all all that she took in back with her that moment of realization that you that you gave her and that moment you gave her with auntie luce was just that was something that was something unlike anything i feel like i've read before and it also can i say because we didn't talk about them recently it also was something that my students said a number of them said i'm from haiti I'm from the Dominican Republic. I'm from here. I'm from there. And to hear them feel ownership in this book, feeling like, in what felt to me like, I have parts of me from that place where my family came from in me now, that affirmation, that strength, that part of their story affirmed, that's something big. And you did that. You did that. You gave us that moment together. But most importantly, you gave it to them. That right there, that's why I'm glad that Ruben was bugging you to write a picture book. Because <laughs> you have a gift and you gave it to them. Well, gosh, I don't even know what to say. Um, actually, I know what to say. I will say that um, as a kid growing up, um, I think a lot of Haitian kids, sort of first-generation Haitian kids growing up here have had this experience, or at least I did. Um, so I always knew that Haiti was a really special place. I always knew um, just from the way my parents brought my brother and me up that, um, you know, Haiti was the place where... Uh, you know, the first black republic was born. 
um, that Haiti was, you know, the place of the most successful slave revolt ever. And that, you know, the impact in the the quote unquote new world, the Atlantic world was, was huge. Um, and so when I, when I started to go to school, um, there was a very different kind of Haiti that was like reflected back to me. And I was so confused. Um, I knew that, um, you know, there was a lot of struggle in Haiti, um, and violence and upheaval. Um, but I also knew that a lot of that was connected to United States policy, um, and to this massive debt that Haiti incurred as a cost of its freedom to France. And so it was, it was very strange kind of growing up and seeing and hearing and feeling Haiti being, um, talked about in this way that was just so dehumanizing and just wrong. Um, and never talked about in the sense of, you know, to me, like the Haitian revolution is as important as the American revolution. Everybody should know about the Haitian revolution. Literally America would not be America without the Haitian revolution. Um, and we can get into sort of why that is, but yeah. So I, I always felt like there was this beautiful complexity to Haiti um, and so I wanted to try to capture that in the book in some way. Um, and again, it was really hard. It's, it's kind of a lot. And so I found myself making these, I don't know what you would call them, but like little trees, like visually on a piece of paper, like here's the adult version of like what I think. And then like, how could I break it down to like a 10 year old and how could I break it down to a four year old and how could I make it not sound like I'm lecturing you about Haiti. Um, and I, so I just kept having to like work it and work it until it sounded like something that would make a kid want to turn the page. Um, that's what I was trying to do. I'm grateful you stuck with it. I am. I'm grateful that, that you found the way in, that you found the story, you found the way to tell it. Um, and I hope you're working on more. <laughs> or maybe maybe even before that, I hope as you're getting out to schools that, and I, I know inevitably you're, you're getting this because you're in schools, but I hope that you're able to take in what this book means to those readers that you're engaging with. Yeah. Um, I was, um, so I was at the Miami book fair, um, in November, which is, you know, like little Haiti, just Haiti central down there. Um, it was awesome. I mean, there were so many kids who just, they recognized themselves and, you know, I would read the parts in Haitian Creole and they were all like fighting to be first to, to translate it. <laughs> I like, you know what that means. <laughs> and, um, but they also didn't know, you know, they had never heard some of these names. I mean, they they heard of Toussaint Louverture, and some of them had heard about Jean-Jacques Dessalines, but not 
not really. And the women whose names appear in the book, um, Catherine Flon and Sanit Belair, they were like, who? Why, why don't we know that? Nobody told me that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, that was, that was a really, really great, great experience um, to see them recognize themselves and also know um, the greatness of where they come from. Where they come from, yeah. Yeah. And to have a book that has these names, that it doesn't just have to be someone read aloud this book to you and you sort of have to remember it. There's a book now that you can go back to and hear these names and ask about them and look them up and learn more. And this can be a springboard for them, if you will, um, in addition to being something that <laughs> that they took such great ownership in. I love that they were jumping in to translate the Haitian Creole. This is much like when I'm reading any book in my library where there's Spanish, and I'm <laughs> so readily corrected on the way I'm pronouncing things and also what it all means. Yeah, oh, they were on it. They were, they were just so excited to... They should be. Yeah. They should be. Yeah. They should be not only excited, but then encouraged to now go write your story. Yeah. There's a reason why not many of us in America, there's many reasons, but there's a reason why not many of us in America know this history or know about Haiti. And it's because we're not talking about it enough. And we can talk about it more if we get more books about it. If more people share their story, more people share their life. And also, you know, more folks take interest. I am grateful for this because the book was also, uh, for me, uh, an opportunity to talk to those families, those students, and hear their experience and see the way that they beamed about talking about how their parents are from Haiti and that they've gone back and visited and, and what it means to them. That's a special thing that Every child should have the opportunity to speak about their family, their experience. And, you know, this is just a testament that that books can do that for us. And that we should not take for granted how powerful it is to write a book. I mean, I, I would have been really in my head, I think, if I was in your position. I'm sure you were in your head, not to take away from that. But to be in a position where I'm like, oh, the responsibility of having to write for a child... A child, it's so important that you get it right. And it sounds like you made these trees and broke down the words and the experiences so that you, Francie, could get it right. Because we have to get it right for our kids. I agree. I mean, so I agree in retrospect. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I didn't actually think the book would get sold. And it actually took, so like I said, you know, Ruben reached out to me. So this is like 2010, 2011, and like it's 2018 now. So you, that gives you a sense of how long it kind of um, sat around and got shopped around. Um, but honestly, I, I really didn't know if it was any good. And I really, I guess I was kind of imagining, I was imagining kids reading it, but I wasn't actually thinking anything along the lines of what's actually transpired since it came out. Um, 
I thought, oh, well, it'll be something like my kids will have and maybe like, I don't know, like Haitian community centers will have it. And yeah, I, I did not. This is all totally unexpected. Yeah, but Francie, let me tell you something, because I've been in children's literature for a little while and I can tell you and I'm so excited to tell you this, that the thing that happened when this book came out is that it wasn't yours anymore. It became theirs. And when it became theirs, magical things can happen, right? Because you just don't know where it's going to get to. And you don't know how long it's going to take. This book, its its story is not done yet, right? There will be years of this book reaching children, whether that be because of it being in a bookstore or being given in a gift or someone is at whatever festival, or also some librarian bought it for their library and the just right kid picked it up on the just right day and read it and it meant something to them. So that's sort of the cool thing about that book. The book comes out and you just don't know. There's no way of knowing what it's going to mean to someone. That's where I come back and always hope. And I wish this for you as well. As I'm watching our time, as I'm wrapping things up with you, I wish for you that you get to hear from as many readers as can reach you, as many uh, adult readers as well as children. I hope that um, because, you know, you're writing for an audience that isn't on Twitter or isn't on social media. They depend on us to get their voices out. But I hope that um, some of those messages do get back to you, whether the children draw or write you things or you're at a school and you get to see it on their faces or um, a parent or a book blogger or somebody shares the book as well. I hope that you do get to, I hope those messages do get back to you. Um, because so often I think writers work in isolation, work by themselves. Don't always get to hear that there's an awful lot of talk going on about their book. It just is happening in libraries where you're not standing right now. Um, so in that way, I'm also really glad that I got to talk to you because as I said, your your book was part of our Coretta Scott King Award this year, and we all talked about it. K to five, we all talked about this book uh, and reacted to it and got to grow closer as a reading community because of the thing you put out in the world. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, connecting with other people, especially kids, especially kids, um, has definitely been the, the best the best part of it um, for me. Well, so, well, Francie, that's it's one awesome to hear that, and doesn't surprise me at all. But two makes me feel like this is the perfect time for me to ask um, to close our conversation and to bring us back to those kids. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Francie, is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Hmm, so many messages. I have to choose just one. <laughs> I'll take them all. <laughs> okay, so I'll say, first of all, um, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I think claiming our own stories um, and talking about our own experience um that could be through books, it could be through music, it can be through 
painting, um, I think is really important. Um, and I say that because again, a lot of times, you know, history is written by, um, the more powerful, um, and they often don't get it right. And so I think it's just really important that kids feel like whatever that experience is, it could be, um, related to where their family is from. It could be related to their gender identity. It could be related to, um, their race. I just think it's really important that, um, our stories are told, um, and to know that, um, it's always, it's always important not to let others tell it. Um, and the other thing I guess I would say is, uh, something that I think about every time I walk into a room of kids, because when I walk into a room of kids, I'm very aware that they're looking at me, or if it wasn't me, whoever it would be, whatever author, as like the person, we're meeting an author, and you know, they have, they did this thing, and they have this knowledge, and you're going to learn from that author or that painter. Um, and having worked with kids a lot around social justice stuff, I, I feel like kids know a lot. And thank God, <laughs> kids know, they know a lot and they see a lot and they, they think in ways that adults don't think because they haven't been, you know, they haven't had their imaginations hemmed in and conditioned and narrowed by all of these conventions and rules. Um, and so... Yeah, when a kid asks me, you know, well, how did you start writing a book? I'll throw it back to them and say, if you were to start a book, how would you start it? Um, I think kids know a lot, and I think kids have a lot to teach us. And so I guess my other message would be for them to really know that and feel that um, and to just feel that sense of just because you're a kid doesn't mean, well, you got to listen to mom and dad, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, you also have to, I think it's important for kids to know that they have agency and their kids can do really powerful things. We see it every day. Um, and they can have a big impact in this world. I truly believe that. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com 
forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.